everyone. It's good to see everybody. It's great to have a day like this to gather together in worship and to be reminded of the wonderful truth that we are um, not only loved by the great I am, but he is the one who not only holds things, but keeps everything together and we worship in his name. So in the name of the Lord, I welcome you to Cross Timber this morning on this beautiful April morning. And I'm Hope you're anticipating um, to experience the presence of the Lord as we gather together, as we sing, we pray, as we study God's Word together, and we worship. Um, we are glad you're here. It looks like we got 
mostly a lot of home folks, but if you're visiting here, it is good to see you. It's always great to to look around and see those great, wonderful, smiling faces. If you um, need to share information or prayer requests, just always like to point out that we have this card. It looks just like this. It's a great way to share our prayer requests and ask questions, share information, utilize them. Just put them in the bulletin and the offering plate. You'll find them in the bulletin. You can put them in the offering plate when we pass them around. And if you do share a prayer request and you want us to keep that private, just check the little box that says there, I want this shared with staff only. And we'll um, do that. If not, we put it out over the email so other folks can join us in prayer. just want to highlight a couple of things before um, Sue Moore comes and tells you about an opportunity that is upcoming. Um, the first thing is I want us to take a moment to just rejoice and celebrate. You may notice in the center section of our bulletin that we have exceeded our goal for the Annie Armstrong Easter offering um, by over $1,500. So um, we are excited about that. The total there is $5,059.80. And um, so we are rejoicing in that. And if you still have more to give, we'll pass that along because that goes toward the mission work in North America. The second thing, and, and I'm sure the cheers will be equally as um, loud for this, right after our service today, we are going to have a quarterly business meeting um, without a meal. So if we can, um, we, can re- we can convene as quickly as possible and move through um, the, uh, the business that we have um, with, with expediency without overlooking things, um, we can get to lunch. So um, the hungrier we are may determine the length of our meeting. So that will be right after our service. And hopefully if you do need a snack, you brought something along. But we will try to make the best use of our time. Um, there's other things in the bulletin you can, can um, you can see there our regular schedule men's breakfast tomorrow morning, 6.30 at the Elk Diner. Wednesday, Bible study, 11, prayer at 6.30 here at the church. Um, but now I want um, Sue to come, and she's going to tell you about this um, upcoming opportunity um, that she's offering. Okay. Um, so a few weeks ago, well, it's probably been close to a month ago, I just threw it out on social media would anybody be interested in a class to show you how to stretch your food budget dollars? Um, because I saw that SNAP benefits for a family of five is $1,100. So I decided to ask my kids how much they spend. I have a daughter that lives in Washington State. She has six children. She spends between 1000 and 1200 That feeds all of them plus their dog, plus that buys toilet paper, paper towels, and stuff like that. That's per month. So that's right in the, the range for SNAP benefits for $1,100. Uh, my, I have a daughter that lives here in Texas and one in California. They each spend between 700 and 800 They are a family of five, each of them. And the daughter that lives in California, as you can imagine, prices there are a little bit higher because fuel is way higher. Um, so anyway, I threw that out and like, okay, God, what are you going to do with this? Well, I had a bunch of people comment, and many were interested. Somebody wanted me to do a YouTube channel and do Facebook Live, and it's like, yeah, I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this. I don't even, I didn't even really have a plan. I just have a lot of good ideas um, and things that I've done. So uh, I threw it out there. I went and talked to Kroger, and they offered, I just wanted to use the, the little sitting area like they do for Bible study on Thursday, uh, when, 
what day do you Mondays, Mondays. And the guy, the manager said, no, 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 we have a, we have a conference room upstairs. You can come on up there and we'll provide snacks and drinks. I'm like, okay, okay, thank you, Lord. So I felt like I had found favor with the king and with the Lord when, when that happened. So I set a date. It's April 20th, this coming Thursday at 630. And um, if if this is not something that you feel like you need and you just want to come and support, you don't need to do that. I would love for you to stay home and pray for us because this is an outreach. That's, that's my vision. I'm going to be sharing what the Lord has done in my life and hopefully my testimony. I don't even, I don't know. I have two and a half pages of tips and tricks and ideas and money-saving things that if I don't get through, then maybe I'll do another class, maybe here in May. I don't, I don't know what God's doing with it. So I would covet your prayers. Um, I also have a favor. If any of you people, young people, old people, play around on your computer and could make me a cute flyer, um, Harvest House wants a flyer that they could hand out to their clients. And I, I hate doing that kind of stuff. But I would need it tomorrow so I can email it to them. So if you, that's something you love to do, do that for me and talk to me after church. All right. Thank you. Oh, thank you, Sue. That's, that's an exciting opportunity. And it just you can see, the, see God's hand all over that and just making provisions. So if, like Sue said, if that's something you don't need in your life, um, be in prayer on Thursday evening at 630 as, as ladies, as families gather together to to hear information about how they can stretch their dollars, but also hopefully hear about the faithfulness of, of God and His willingness to help in any circumstance and situation. So thank you. Um, would like us to read this morning um, from, I should have told you earlier, but hopefully you can find Isaiah chapter 59 um, pretty quickly. I want us to read in Isaiah chapter 59. We'll start in verse 14 and we'll read um, through the end of the chapter. It's just a few verses as we, we set our hearts toward the Lord this morning and prepare for worship. I think as we read this together, you'll find some similarities in the language to our, our, our culture and our world today. And we'll also see in this the willingness of our God to, to work and to move on behalf of um, His people. So verse 14, Isaiah chapter 59 begins, Justice is turned back, and righteousness stands far away. For truth has stumbled in the public squares, and uprightness cannot enter. Truth is lacking, and he who departs from evil makes himself a prey. The Lord saw it, and it displeased him that there was no justice. He saw that there was no man and wondered that there was no one to intercede. Then his own arm brought him salvation, and his righteousness upheld him. He put on righteousness as a breastplate and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing and wrapped himself in zeal as a cloak. According to their deeds, so he will repay. Wrath to his adversaries, repayment to his enemies. To the coastlands he will render repayment. So they shall fear the name of the Lord from the west and his glory from the rising of the sun. For he will come like a rushing stream which the wind of the Lord drives. And a redeemer will come to Zion. 
To those in Jacob who turn from transgression declares the Lord. And as for me, this is my covenant with them, says the Lord. My spirit that is upon you and my words that I have put in your mouth shall not depart out of your mouth or out of the mouth of your offspring or out of the mouth of your children's offspring, says the Lord, from this time forth and forevermore. Gentlemen, we come as we take our offering this morning. Father, gracious God, Lord, thank you for this wonderful day. Lord, thank you for your son Jesus and his resurrection, Lord. And we just uh, want to take this time to thank you for the provisions you've provided for us, Lord. And at this time, we want to give back a portion of that belongs to you, Lord. And we pray that it's used for the ministry that it needs to be. Lord, we just thank you and bless you in Jesus' name. Amen.
thank you for sending your son and Jesus we thank you for coming and that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that you are Lord and we thank you that you are not unfamiliar with our weaknesses that you were tempted in all things and therefore we can draw near with confidence to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy. And this morning, Lord, let this song be our declaration of that truth. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you. You may be seated. like to follow along, you can turn to Esther chapter 5, be ready to move from chapter 5 to chapter 6, and then if you have an extra finger or a bookmark, you may want to put one in Hebrews chapter 4, because we'll read a couple of verses. I'm there. But this morning, we um, are going to take one last look at the book of Esther. I've enjoyed the, the time we've we spent there, and I hope you've, you've gained something from it as we've seen the, uh, the unseen hand of God working throughout history. We focused on His faithfulness to all His promises, and we've taken opportunity to remember the great rescue mission that God has been on since the very beginning. And so as I was thinking about, you know, what would be a good way to wrap it up, I was coming, you know, thinking about some some titles maybe for this sermon, and I wanted to share a couple that just didn't quite make it. Um, so the first one I, I thought of was, give it a try like Mordecai. Then I thought, well, maybe maybe it needs to focus on Esther. So I thought, will, will Esther see a scepter? And then I thought, well, maybe it should be about Ahasuerus. So I thought, will Ahasuerus spare us? Can't you just imagine that question in, in Esther's mind? And then my favorite, which was close, I really had a hard time leaving this one behind, is how to hang the Haman in your life. Doesn't that sound just practical? How to hang the Haman in your life. Well, after all that, I laid those aside, and I finally decided on access to the throne. Because I wanted to think about, like that last song reminded us, reminded us that through Christ, we come to God confident He will hear our prayers and respond. And we're going to take from this book of Esther a look at what it means to be involved in intercessory prayer. Simply stated, to pray to God on behalf of someone else. It's a wonderful gift that God has given us, but yet there's so much untapped power that we have at our fingertips through prayer to advance God's kingdom work and to see Him do the miraculous and God is waiting for you and I to be a part of that. In fact, in Isaiah 59, we read there that, that God looked around and He saw no intercept, intercessors. And so He stepped in and brought salvation and righteousness to sustain His people. And then in Isaiah 62, there, God just speaks to Isaiah and He says, oh, On your walls, O Jerusalem, I have set watchmen. All the day and all the night they shall never be silent. You put the Lord in remembrance. You who put the Lord in remembrance take no rest. And so I want us to think about our responsibility, our job is in some way to be a watchman as we pray. To pray continually day and night, refuse to be silenced and not give up, don't rest until we see God work. Now let's just be honest, everyone around, every one of us, everybody sitting here, you know, the 60, 65 people you either know or you're related to someone who once you thought walked with the Lord, maybe even very closely, and for some reason they've drifted or fallen away. 
maybe it's a child, a grandchild, or a family member, a friend, and they find themselves living in a life that's lonely and filled with confusion. They've, they struggle maybe with depression, angry, anger, or anxiety. And the great need that we have, they have, is for God to intervene and to work the miracle that only He does. And so this morning, at the end of our service, we're going to stand united in prayer for God to do the work that only He can do. As we look around and we see a generation, a world that's in crisis, God wonders, and we should wonder, who's willing to stand on the wall and watch and pray? Who will take advantage of the access we have to the throne room of God to receive the grace and mercy for ourselves, but also to intervene and ask for that for for others? And I think we can see this pictured in the book of Esther. We can see it um, expressed in the truth of the book of Hebrews. And so I'd like us to read together. We're going to read in chapter 5. We're going to read the first several verses there. I think first eight verses, and then we're going to skip over and read the end of chapter 6 and the first part of chapter 7 together. So let's look together. The words will be on the screen. Esther chapter 5, verse 1, says, On the third day Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the king's palace in front of the king's quarters while the king was sitting on his royal throne inside the throne room opposite the entrance to the palace. And when the king saw Queen Esther standing in the court, she won favor in his sight. And he held out to Esther the golden scepter that was in his hand. Then Esther approached and touched the tip of the scepter. And the king said to her, What is it, Queen Esther? What is your request? It shall be given you, even to the half of my kingdom. And Esther said, If it pleases the king, let the king and Haman come today to a feast that I have prepared for the king. Then the king said, Bring Haman quickly, so that we may do as Esther has asked. So the king and Haman came to the feast that Esther had prepared. And as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king said to Esther, What is your wish? It shall be granted you. And what is your request? Even to half of my kingdom, it shall be fulfilled. Then Esther answered, My wish and my request is, If I have found favor in the sight of the king, and it pleases the king to grant my wish and fulfill my request, Let the king and Haman come to the feast that I will prepare for them, and tomorrow I will do as the king has said. Now look at over chapter 6, starting in verse 14. While they were yet talking with him, the king's eunuchs arrived and hurried to bring Haman to the feast that Esther had prepared. Chapter 7. So the king and Haman went into the feast with Queen Esther, and on the second day, as they were drinking wine after the feast, the king again said to Esther, What is your wish, Queen Esther? It shall be granted you, and what is your request? Even to the half of my kingdom it shall be fulfilled. Then Queen Esther answered, If I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be granted me for my wish, and my people for my request. For we have been sold, I and my people, to be destroyed, to be killed, and to be annihilated. If we had been sold merely as slaves, men and women, I would have, not, I would have been silent. For our affliction is not to be compared with the loss to the king. Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther, Who is he, and where is he, and who has dared to do this? And Esther said, A foe and an enemy, this wicked Haman. Then Haman was terrified before the king and the queen. And then Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. 
since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then, with confidence, draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Will you join me as we pray? Lord, we are thankful for your word that it stood the test of time, that it was true years ago and it's still true today. And so help us as we turn to your word to find the truth that you would have us to know. Help us to see it with our eyes, to understand it with our minds, and apply it with our hearts. And we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So the pattern for today is simply this. We're going to look back at Esther. We're going to see how he, she interceded for her people. We're going to see how that portrait of Esther points us toward Jesus. We're going to look at Jesus, the great high priest. And then we're going to take some time at the end to look at our role as intercessors or watchmen because of our connection with Jesus. There's a simple outline in your bulletin. And the first thing that we need to see is that the scepter was extended. In those verses we read that Esther interceded for her people. There was a crisis. The Jews were going to be killed by Haman and his plot. And just because God works things according to his plan, Esther just so happened to be in the palace, and she just so happened to be queen, and she just so happened to be Jewish. And she has this opportunity to embrace her identity as a royal daughter of the king, not a wife of the king of Persia, to stand on behalf of her people. And we see in the stories, we read it, that Esther embraces her identity. She chooses God. She chooses her people. And she realizes through the guidance of Mordecai that God has chosen her for this purpose, for such a time as this. It takes faith, brave faith, for her to go and agree to do this because it could cost her a life. She invites the Jewish people and even her attendants to pray and fast along with her. And then as you read in the story, she says, after that, after we fast, after we pray, then I'll go to the king. And though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. She shows a willingness to take a risk that could cost her her life, that she would go and mediate for the Jews for such a time as this. She is willing to be their intercessor really Esther's moment of truth that leads her into the king's chamber. She's backed by the prayers of her people. The Lord's favor is with her. She dresses in her royal robes. She waits there in front of the king's quarters. The king is sitting on his throne. But in her mind and in her heart, Esther is fully committed to stand for the rescue of her people. She's willing to do whatever it takes. And we find that she wins favor inside of the king, and the king holds out his golden scepter, that symbolic act that could either mean life or death. And Esther accepts that wondrous, beautiful invitation, and she touches the scepter. She knows she won't die, and she approaches the throne of 
King Ahasuerus, the king of a great kingdom, but not nearly as great as the king that rules the kingdom above all kingdoms. She had his favor. The king grants her request, says, What is it, Queen Esther? Ask me what you want up to half my kingdom. Well, she invites him to a feast. Her, the king, and Haman. And at that feast, again, the king asks the same question, and her response is, well, I want to invite you to another feast, and at that feast, I'll finally reveal my plan. And you see there in chapter 7, verse 3, we looked at that, that the, the queen answered, if I have found favor in your sight, O king, and if it pleases the king, let my life be granted me for my wish and my people for my request. Entreating with humility, finding herself in submission to the authority of the king, but boldly asking for the deliverance of herself and her people. Now, what we didn't read about, but we know about, because we know the story, is that Esther exposes the wickedness of Haman. Haman is hanged on his own gallows. And Esther, when we get to chapter 8, once again pleads for the king. If you have your Bible there, look at chapter 8, verse 3. It says, Esther spoke again to the queen. And listen, look at her posture. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite. Desperate situation, and she's desperate, and she's calling out. And then in verse 4, as we continue on, the king once again holds out the scepter. And Esther rose and stood before the king. And listen in verse 5, If it pleases the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if things seem right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite. And we read on, it says that those were written to destroy the Jews and all of the kingdom. And then verse 6, How can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? So she is calling out to the king on behalf of her people because she is desperate, because she's committed, and she knows he can intervene. And so the king gives them the opportunity, and with his blessing, Esther and Mordecai write a new decree to counteract the other one that says the Jews can defend themselves against anyone that would attack them. And in that moment, their crisis is averted, and what could be the potential end is actually a victory, and they are transferred from death to life. And throughout this story, it's so beautiful, even though you don't see it, God's hand is working in people's lives all because of his faithfulness. And because he's faithful, he heard the cries of Esther, the queen. Brought favor to herself and to Mordecai. Defeated Haman and delivered God's people. And we could probably put Esther in the category of a good intercessor. But the exciting thing is she points to the best or the greater intercessor. If you study the Bible or theology, you may come across the word, you know, a shadow or a type. They use it in the Old Testament um, to talk about things that um, are imperfect examples, mainly of God and of Jesus that, that point forward to the New Testament. And so in this story, you can find that, that Esther is a, is a type of Christ, that shades of her character and her actions point toward 
the Lord Jesus. And you can see that in other characters in the book of Esther. And actually it makes an interesting study, but it's kind of beyond what we could do on a Sunday morning. But you can you can see as you read um, just close similarities between the, the role of Mordecai, not only as, a, as an advisor and an advocate for Esther as, as symbolic of, you know, the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Um, you can see King Ahasuerus in, in some forms, to a limited extent, represent, you know, the generosity of our, our God as requests are made. And you can see how Haman, even though we, we like to, to boo and see how wicked he is, is just a small character in the scope of evil compared to, you know, the real enemy, Satan, that, that he would represent. And so Esther is just a, a small shadow of what it means to be an intercessor, but Jesus is the substance of what it means to be an intercessor, a perfect intercessor. The one who the Bible tells us is both priest and king at the same time, the one who mediates the, the new covenant and he lives forever to pray for us. Now, to help us understand this idea of a, a shadow and a type, think about this. With your back at the sun, in front of you, you can see a shadow. And that shadow moves along with you. And depending on how you stand, you know, that shadow can be longer or shorter than you are at times. And it's shaped like you, but it's not you, right? It's similar, but it's not perfect. In the same way, when we look at these characters and these illustrations of the Old Testament... They just, you know, bring our hearts and our minds toward thinking about Jesus and the things of God. But they're not perfect examples because you can find flaws in all of these individuals. But when we look at the shadow in Esther, we see the reality in Jesus. Think about both of them. There was great risk involved. A potentiality for loss of life for Esther. A willingness to lay down life that Jesus displayed. That... Esther identified with her people and how perfectly the Lord Jesus identifies with us. Both received favor while Esther's favor was at the whim of the king. It could be given or withdrawn because Jesus in his perfect obedience always did what he sees his father doing, always lived to please his father, always has acceptance from the father. And so what we see is this example of Esther points us toward Jesus. God used Esther for such a time as this, and at just the right time, the Bible tells us, God sent Jesus into the world. And as you read through just the first few chapters of Hebrews, you find that it's God's final revelation. He's the eternal Son. He's the founder of salvation in chapter 2. He's the merciful and faithful high priest chapter 2. He's greater than Moses, chapter 3. He's our great high priest, chapter 4. Chapter 7 tells us he's the guarantor of a better covenant. And he also tells us in chapter 7 that that's that his job is to live forever to intercede for us. And that's just the first seven chapters. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul reminds us that in, in Jesus, God's promises are yes and amen. So the truth is today, we have direct access to God the Father through Jesus. Or another way of saying that is we have a great high priest. Jesus, the perfect mediator between God and man. He made sacrifice for our sins once and for all. Greater than the high priests of old who 
made only a temporary sacrifice. It had to be continued. That He is perfectly righteous. He's accepted by the Father. And by faith, believers are connected to Him. What does that mean? It means His righteousness is imparted to us. His life is given to us. His Spirit is in us. And oh, what a high priest we have. That He laid down His life. He identified with us perfectly. Without sin. What does that mean? It means He experienced the full range of temptation, emotion, and experience that we would, but He never sinned. So that can be an encouragement today to understand that He understands what you are going through. And He is the way through what you're going through. If you look in Hebrews 4, it says, after Jesus was raised from the dead, it says this wonderful phrase, He passed through the heavens. Another way of saying He ascended up to the Father. So after He is risen from the dead, He visited the disciples, that He ascended to the Father. He made that perfect sacrifice. He died so we could live. He rose from the grave, and now He's seated at God's right hand. He has God's perfect favor for all of time, and He lives forever to intercede for us. So you could say it this way. Jesus is always praying for you. We find comfort in those words from parents or grandparents, friends. You know, I was praying for you. I've been praying for you. But we find greater comfort in the truth that Jesus is always praying for you. And what a prayer intercessor He is because He always perfectly prays God's will. He receives His request from a willing Father and He prays constantly. That's what He lives to do. But beyond that, He, because He can relate to us, He knows our weaknesses. Not just in general. He knows your particular weaknesses. He can sympathize with you. And He prays with us not only when He prayed in John 17, but also according to the the leadership of, of God, what we best need for our particular situation. If you have opportunity, I invite you to look at John 17, later in the day, and just look and see as Jesus prayed with those disciples what He's praying for us. To know God, to know Jesus, to be protected from apostasy, to be one like He and the Spirit are one, to be filled with joy, kept from evil, sanctified through the Word, to be unified in Christ throughout all generations, to let love carry the message of the cross to the world, to join Him in heaven for all eternity. To experience the same kind of love that He and the Father have. That's what Jesus is praying for you right now. He knows us. He knows our needs and He's praying for us. And He prays perfect prayers to the good Father and His prayers get answered. And through Jesus, by Jesus, we have access to to God the Father in prayer. Or you could say, it's the third thing on your outline, because Jesus is a great high priest, we can draw near with confidence. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. 
to read Peter and First Peter, you find it because we are connected to Jesus, the great high priest. We are what Peter calls a royal priesthood, taking us all the way back to Exodus 19, where God promises that his people would be a kingdom of priests. Which means because we are connected to the one who has perfect favor with God, we have favor with God, and we can go before our king, the king of all kings, and pray very similarly to the way Esther went before that smaller king and prayed. And when we do, because of Jesus, you know what? The the scepter has been extended. So when we go in the name of Jesus, we're not waiting on a whim. Is God going to listen? Does God care? Does he love me? Will he extend the scepter? Will he close the door in my face? No. If you know Jesus, you have access, and you can boldly go in at any time. No questions asked. And the question is, will we as God's people enter in and intercede for such a time as this? Here's the truth. Bottom line. The crisis in our culture today won't be fixed by our government. It won't be fixed by our schools. It will take a mighty move of our God. And the crisis in our culture requires a response from watchmen on the walls. Read Isaiah 62 later. If you read what people write about the current age we live in, they would say they would tell you and it is true this is the loneliest generation in history, that while they experience more and more opportunities for connection, they experience greater levels of loneliness than anyone that has ever lived. There is rampant confusion about truth. What do I believe? What do I not believe? There's confusion about sexuality. Who am I? Who are we? Is God's word really true? And there's confusion about the gospel. Does God really still save people? Do I have to just be good? Or can I do whatever I want? And because God loves me, he'll save everyone. So there's confusion. There's people young and old trying to cope with all types and levels of trauma, whether it comes from abuse or betrayal, whether it comes from being involved in in battle or combat, police work. Anxiety and depression seem to be secondhand words. And here's what needs to happen our young people need us to stand in prayer, persistent, passionate prayer. Not in our own strength, but powered and prompted by the Holy Spirit, prayers that are pleasing to a Father. And this is the opportunity that we as older adults have to take our stand. Now, as you get older, you'll realize age can prohibit you from doing many things. But it should not affect our prayer life. A minister in Tennessee started several years ago a ministry called Pray For Me just to encourage the older generation to pray for the younger generation. And listen to his words. The older gener- it is time for the older generation to not step down, but kneel down. To not step back, but step up. What if those of us 
with more of God's time, spent more of that time interceding for young people than bemoaning their spiritual condition. Quick paraphrase. What if we spent more time praying than complaining or praying than worrying? And I would argue to you this morning that it's time for the church to step up and to kneel down. Because through Christ, we come to God confident that He will hear our prayers and respond. Amen? Now, this is going to be a little different this morning. Usually I give you application points. You write them down, and then, you know, well, it's willy-nilly whether you ever look at them again or take advantage of that or do them or if they even matter. This time I'm going to give them to you, and we're going to take an opportunity to put them into practice. Long ago, written about in books, Esther faced the crisis. Her people were headed toward destruction. She trusted in God. She went before the king. There's a crisis in our day. There are many among us, many that we know, we love, that are headed for destruction. We're going to bring our request before not an earthly king, but the king of kings. We're going to ask with boldness for God to work a miracle. The miracle that changes hearts. The miracle that, that draws back those who have wandered, that can rescue from danger. We all know young people, and you can look at young people and just anybody younger than you, that are not walking with the Lord. We knew them. We grew up in church with them. Maybe we had them in the nursery or in Sunday school. Maybe they're even part of your family. And now you look and you see that there's a distance that seems to be ever widening between them and their relationship with God. Here's what I want to tell you with all confidence. God's not done. The final word has not been written. There's no period at the end of the sentence. His pen is still in his hand. And we're going to take opportunity to intercede for them. To pray to a God who's willing to change the course of their lives, to turn the tides. So if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, if you're a family member, if you're a friend or a church member, you have somebody in your family. It's a son, a daughter, a granddaughter, a grandson, niece, nephew, kid or young person. Maybe it's even a parent. What I'm going to ask you to do is I'm going to ask you to stand on their behalf. You don't have to call today. But if there's somebody in any of those connections, I just want you to stand. That means, you know, stand up. And in church, if you're not already standing, I want you to find the person closest to you or the person's closest to you and gather around them. It's all right to move. It's it's we're we're Baptists, but it's okay. Just keep one foot on the ground at all times and you'll be safe. But find the person closest to you. Gather around them, and I just want you to spend moments, spend time interceding for these young people that God would would, would bring prodigals back home because he's, he's wanting and he waits for those to come home. And be sure of this while you're praying that Jesus is praying too. I'm going to give you moments to pray and then I'll close this up in, in a time of prayer. We're going to move over to one other area before we're done. But let's just spend time now praying for those that are away from God that we would long to see come back, that God would bring 
rescue to them. that is not from tone but from your spirit we 
thank you that we come to you because you are willing. That you do desire to bring those back home to you. That you pray along with us. And Lord, we thank you that you didn't give up on us and we know that you won't give up on anyone. And so Lord, with expectant hearts, with bold faith, help us to continue in this attitude of prayer and intercession for the emergency, for the danger that awaits. That we would find him faithful in all situations. Now as you're standing where you are, I just want you to think about those who are, you know, apart from Jesus. I, I love, a man wrote one time that, that those people, he just hated the word lost people. You know, and so he just chooses to use the word the people that Jesus misses the most, that aren't in his family, that he would love to be in his family. And that may be somebody in your family. It may be a friend. Or, honestly, it could just be a name on a name tag. You know, you may have just ran across somebody. Or it could be someone that you don't even know their name. They're all around us. In fact, they're all around the world. And I want us in these moments to just join our hearts in prayer to bring their names before the throne. And if you don't know their name, just be as specific as you can and the second part is we're going to just stand in the gap for those who have yet to meet the Savior see here's what God's work does it's supernatural work that brings salvation first of all blind eyes have to be open wounded hearts have to be healed and Jesus has to be revealed to them as better more beautiful and more wonderful than anything they've ever experienced. And then he gives them a desire, puts it to turn and to follow him. So he opens their eyes, he shows them who they are, who he is, and then he works this miracle, the same miracle that if we are called by the name of Jesus, we have experienced. So let's take a few moments and just pray for, for, for the lost people that you know or that you, you don't know, that God would bring to himself to bring home those that he misses the most. Just continue on in praying together.
Lord, we thank you that you are the one who can heal spiritual blindness. That you're the one that can bind up broken hearts. You're the one who, the word says, is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And for those that are crushed in spirit, whose hope is fleeting, who just don't seem to know the way, the ones that you miss the most, we pray for you to bring revelation of who you are, bring salvation to them, and to put people in their path that love you, that will love them, and that will show them the way. Oh Lord, we trust in you, and we pray that this would just be a beginning of what you want to do in taking us deeper in prayer and intercession for those around us. And we trust you'll help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen. So as you're finding your way back, if, I think if we've still got... Are the screens still up, Jeff? Okay. What I want us to do is there's two things before we, we close and pray. And um, and the first thing is we're, we're going to declare truth together. Um, 1 John chapter 5, 14 and 15 gives us um, insight into, um, into prayer and confidence that we should have. And so I'd like us to read this aloud together. Um, as we, you can look at it on the screen. So let's read this together. And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of Him. Why is this important? The Bible is very clear. Um, about his desire for all to be saved. And so when we pray for redemption or salvation, we are praying a prayer that we should pray with confidence, believing that he hears and that he will respond. So remember that when you're praying for those that are that have wandered or those that are have yet to come to know the Lord. And the second thing we need to do is we need to give thanks to God for his power and his availability. This is Ephesians 3.20. And once we read this, we'll, we'll close in prayer. The worship team will come up and we'll sing. But let's, um, let's read this together. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I'm going to invite the worship team to, to come up, and while they're coming, you guys came to prayer meeting and didn't even plan to, so uh, I'm kind of, Brenda's laughing because Brenda's here every Wednesday, um, but I'm excited for, that we have this opportunity to intercede in prayer, and just remember, this is just the beginning. If it stops here and doesn't go any further, um, we've accomplished just a small bit of what God wants to. So continue on. Persist in prayer. Pray for others. We know we could probably fill pages with folks that we could pray for. And just continue on in prayer. And let's look and see what God um, is willing to do. Let me just tell you one other thing. Um, you know, Deborah, I, Deborah and Samar and I will be out the next two Sundays. Um, there will be two um, willing um, and able, capable gentlemen here that will be filling in. But I want to give you a homework assignment. Um, we introduced our new banners last week. Um, I think they look pretty awesome. But I want you to do this. As you look around and you see these banners that represent, you know, the names of our Lord, think about for the next couple of weeks, 
you know, maybe one in particular stands out. Maybe it's Prince of Peace or Lord of Lords. And then just reflect on God's faithfulness in your life. And, you know, whether you jot it down or you figure it out in your mind, just a, a brief testimony or a word of how God has been that in your life in, in recent days. So that's a, a two-week assignment. Um, I'll send out an email to remind y'all maybe about that. But then come when we come back, which will be first Sunday in May, um, if the Lord puts it on your heart, we'll have opportunity for maybe some folks to, to share about that. But just look around, see those things. How, did, how does God reveal himself to me, or how has he revealed himself to me in one of these ways recently? Um, we're going to sing together. Um, when we sing together, um, after we finish singing, that will be the cue that you are dismissed. And then after maybe five minutes or so, um, we'll um, reconvene and we'll conduct our, our quarterly meeting. It's been a pleasure to worship with you this morning. Just remember God is able, God is willing. Our responsibility is to hold fast, to keep praying, to boldly approach his phone, to find mercy and grace in our time of need, and to truly believe that he's able to do what he says he is. So let's sing together.